Sweeter Heater is the safe alternative to heat lamps that will keep your animals comfortable as the temps drop. Sweeter Heater is an infrared radiant heater that provides mild warmth to the animal directly underneath. It will not shock them when they go between heated and unheated areas. It's designed to keep your animals cozy when near a panel so their bodies don't have to work so hard to stay warm. This helps with longevity, health, and may help with egg production when used with a light during the winter months in your chicken coops. Say goodbye to unpredictable heat bulbs and hello to safe, cozy heat this winter. So go to sweeterheater.com and use code DRINKINFARM, all lowercase, for 15% off one or more heaters today. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking or not drinking today? Because I didn't hear anything open over there. Yes. And you know that if it didn't open, it's probably not alcoholic. (laughs) Unless you got (laughs) fancy and made a little cocktail. Oh, that's true. I do not do that often enough. No, I am sticking with coffee today. But it is special coffee because it's coffee that's blended uh, by my friends down at Ancient Valley Mercantile in my town. So it's local coffee and it's delicious coffee. So fancy. So what did you open over there? So I opened a New Holland Brewing Company Ichabod, which is a Mm. pumpkin ale. And I've definitely drank this on the podcast, podcast last year. But when I was at the store, they changed the can art. So for a minute, I was like, oh, I totally have not had that beer before. And then I read the name when I got home and I was like, yes, I have. But I'm not (laughs) mad because it's a good beer. No, it's a great beer. I love New Holland Brewing. I've been there. It's Mm. like one of my favorite breweries. And I've had Ichabod on the podcast, too, I'm sure. Every year, we're probably going to be like repeating the favorite pumpkin beers because there's only so many, right? (laughs) yeah yeah unless you're lucky and run into something new i did find a new one though and i almost drank it today but it was 10 percent alcohol by volume and i was like maybe i should save this for when i really need it (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. that seems fair (laughs) so our drink peep this episode is our friend katie over at sticky holler farm over on the instagram so cheers lady cheers so today we just get to dive right in, and we're going to talk about something super fallish. Pumpkins! Yay! Yay! Not pumpkin spice either, but pumpkins and their history, some types of pumpkins that we think are pretty neat, and then we're also going to be busting some pie myths today. Yes. Oh my gosh. And this is so fun because, like... Once fall comes around, like, there's no denying that it's basically pumpkin everything season, Uh, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I have pumpkin swirl bread in my pantry. I have pumpkin spice coffee. I bought pumpkins yesterday because I failed to grow my own in a timely manner. Like, my Halloween stuff is all out now. Like, I'm living my best life. 
You're living your best pumpkin life. Yes. I personally can't wait to go to Trader Joe's and buy like all the pumpkin things. Do you know that they even have like pumpkin tortilla chips? Like what? they put pumpkin in everything. Why? Which is oh like my <laughs> so weird and so fabulous at the same time. I don't even know what to do with myself when I'm there during the fall. What do you do with pumpkin tortilla chips? Is it like a like pumpkin nachos? Is, does that happen? Uh, I don't know. I actually... Uh-huh. I don't think I've bought those yet. (laughs) Well, I think you need to buy them for the podcast and let me know how they are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I will. So pumpkin tortilla chips. You know what I would dip those in, actually? I would dip those in that pumpkin pie hummus. See, I haven't had that either. But it sounds (gasps) like a good idea because it sounds like it would be sweet, salty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have some in my fridge right now. I've been buying a little canister every week. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, sounds so good right now. <laughs> so basically, all the pumpkin things is why we're going to be dedicating a series this month mm-hmm. to the pumpkin. So this is basically like volume one of It's the Great Pumpkin. Yes, I love it. Yeah. So I guess let's just dive right into it, right? Yes. Let's do it. I'm so excited. Um, so first, we're going to kick off with the history of the pumpkin, which I, before reading the show notes, knew nothing about. Same. And I wrote them. No, just kidding. I <laughs> guess I learned it when I did a little digging about this and reading. So we do have some sources for this section. Uh, we used an article from PBS.org from their History Kitchen series and then also referenced some Wikipedia, which Wikipedia is not really a great primary no. source. No. But we're just talking <laughs> about plants here. So I think it's okay. It's yeah. it's allowable in this situation. <laughs> yes. And if the, somebody went in there and typed some fun things into Wikipedia that aren't true, at least we're just having a good time. So This is true. And we'll just correct <laughs> ourselves later. So yes. Archaeologists discovered the oldest domesticated pumpkin seeds in the Oaxaca Highlands of Mexico, which is super cool. So that's where they came from. And they are believed to have originated in Central America over 7,500 years ago. That's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And the first pumpkins cultivated held very little resemblance to the sweet, bright orange variety we are familiar with today. The original pumpkin was small and hard with a bitter flavor. So it kind of reminds me of like the Johnny Appleseed episode where people are like seeing them like you know cliche walking around taking a bite out of the apple but it was a cider apple so it was probably not super great because they were referred to as spitters because they were a little bitter so that's very interesting that you know we have an apple pumpkin tie-in at the beginning (laughs) of the episode and we didn't even realize it (laughs) that's right (laughs) So rather than using their nutritional and readily available seeds, pre-Columbian natives grew pumpkins for their flesh. They were among the first crops grown for human consumption in North America. And thanks to their solid, thick flesh, pumpkins proved ideal for storing during cold weather in times of scarcity. And the word pumpkin originates from the word pepon, which is Greek for large melon or something that's round and large. And the French adapted this word to pompon, which the British changed to 
pumpkin, and later American colonists called it the pumpkin. So it has no agreed upon botanical or scientific meaning. So the word pumpkin is totally interchangeable with like squash and winter squash, and they all get put into the same category. Hmm. Uh, But the word pumpkin in North America almost always refers to the certain round orange variety of winter squash, which is derived from cucurbita pepo. But interestingly enough, in New Zealand and Australian English, the term pumpkin generally refers to winter squash. So it depends on what country you're in on Hmm. what you picture when you say the word pumpkin. (laughs) So now we move into pumpkin types. And there are literally so many types of pumpkins. We could probably dedicate the rest of this show and in all of our shows forever and still not list them and all of their uses. So we'll just stick to some fun ones. Um, There are two main categories for pumpkins, decoration and eating. And so many of them can be both. So lucky us. Yeah. Uh, So these pumpkin varieties, we got them uh, from the website over at Baker Creek Seeds, which is rareseeds.com. It's one of my favorite seed companies, personally. (laughs) And we just stocked the pumpkin section and picked a few that looked interesting or neat. And uh, we have grown a couple of these, but a bunch of them we haven't. Uh, So the main reason why we want to talk about types of pumpkins is so that maybe you can put some cool pumpkin varieties on your short list for next year's garden. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because pumpkins take forever to grow, so you got to really plan ahead for them. Like, you can't plant them now and get pumpkins for Thanksgiving even. (laughs) It's too late. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, and that's kind of what I accidentally did, too. And it's funny because the frost killed all my leaves and stunted their growth. So I picked my one pumpkin yesterday, and it's just a cute little guy, and it's still pretty green. (laughs) It's got some orange speaking. So I'll put it on the porch with the rest of them. Um, But yeah, I think I've ordered like five or six different varieties of pumpkin seeds for next year. Nice. (laughs) So I'm like overdoing it now that I kind of failed this past year. Oh, and uh, and gourds, a gourd variety. So we'll have a lot of fun here next year. Oh, I like it. So that first one, and this is one of the ones I ordered um, from MI Gardener, uh, Jack B. Little Squash. So this is a tiny, cute little pumpkin that weighs around eight ounces. It's flat and ribbed, and it looks adorable as decor, but the flesh is also good to eat, and the skin is bright orange. This type of squash may be may have been developed in the Orient, as pumpkins of this type are offered to the spirits by many in Thailand. Uh, which is interesting, and I did not know that. And in Thailand, these come in four or five different colors. Super cool. I love learning a little history while mm-hmm. talking about seeds. Nerding out. Yep. <laughs> so the next kind of pumpkin is the Marina de Cayoja pumpkin. And that is not spelled anything at all no, how it's it is not. pronounced. <laughs> I'm sure that I still butchered it, even though I listened to like how to pronounce this word like a bunch, but I tried my best. You did great. Uh, the heirloom <laughs> sea pumpkin of Kayoja, Kayoja, yeah, it's Kayoja, that's what it's got to be, um, is named for a fishing village on the coast of Italy, and that is south of Venice. Uh, the large turban-shaped fruit is a deep blue-green, and it's one of the most beautiful and unique of all the squash. 
The rich sweet flesh is a deep yellow orange and of good quality. It's delicious baked or in pies. And the fruit weighs about 10 pounds each and is produced on vigorous vines. So this particular pumpkin is originally from South America and it's super warty looking. So it's like (laughs) one of those really just like cool looking pumpkins which is really cool because you could use it for decoration or for mm-hmm. eating. And I actually, I think all of these that are on this list are dual purpose pumpkins. The next pumpkin is the Jaraha Dale pumpkin. I, I just call right? him Jardale. Jardale. See, I was trying to be fancy. Yeah. Um, Jardale pumpkin. Uh, we sent those seeds to our Patreons this, this spring and my mom grew so many of them because she's a patreon <laughs> she sent me a picture and i sent it to bevan it was like holy smokes um but they're a late blue gray pumpkin um they grow up to six to ten pounds and they're of superb quality their shape is flat and ribbed and very decorative also a good keeper they're popular in australia and uh considered to be an excellent variety One of the more tasty varieties for many savory dishes, and it's excellent for year-round supply of squash, as these are often kept well over 12 months. And fun fact, this is my favorite kind of pumpkin to save, so I'll actually buy these. I'll use them as decorations this fall, and then once decoration season is over, I roast them and then uh, freeze the flesh in jars, and then that's where I get all of my pumpkin puree from for the rest of the year. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the next one is a pumpkin that I actually have in my garden right now. It only has one pumpkin on it, but that's all right. I planted it really late, so I'm not surprised. Uh, It's a musky de Provence pumpkin, and it's a gorgeous flat pumpkin that's shaped kind of like a large wheel of cheese. Uh So they're really heavily lobed and ribbed. So they look like they look like you took a pumpkin and just like pushed down on the top of it and like squished it. So they're like <laughs> flat and like wide. Um, it's a beautiful, rich brown color when it's ripe and the flesh is really deep orange, thick and very fine flavored. And these will get about 20 pounds each. And it's a traditional variety from southern France. Nice. The next one is a Big Max pumpkin. It's a huge pumpkin that can grow well over 100 pounds. Nearly round, bright orange fruit is stunning and good for pies and canning. They have very thick orange flesh. And they're good for county fairs and displays. I mean, who doesn't like a huge-ass pumpkin? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One of these years, I'll grow big giant pumpkins. I have not done that yet. Yeah. My parents did before, and I think this might be another one where my mom can dig out a picture for Patreon. But I remember we have pictures near these really giant pumpkins, and I wonder if these were the ones that they grew. Oh, it totally could have been. There's a cute, there's a few different kinds of giant pumpkins. So did you guys go to like one of those pumpkin chunkin festivals? I can't remember where that Um, originates from, but you know, like they have the trebuchet where they like fling giant pumpkins. Well, I don't think they fling them, but I think in the town close to mine, they like roll them down the really big hill Oh, that's (laughs) because there's a very big hill in a town called Vassar. And it rolls down, and I'm either making that up or it is a thing, but I've never been to a pumpkin chunkin thing mm. before. Chunkin. That's on my list. Yeah. <laughs> I always call it chunkin, but I know but it's, I think it's supposed chunkin. to be chunkin. Pumpkin chunkin. 
it's hard to say. I'm just going to drink my beer instead. <laughs> yeah, it's a mouthful. So the last kind of pumpkin we're going to talk about is the New England Sugar Pie Pumpkin. And this is the well-renowned type of pumpkin from New England. Uh, it's primarily used for pies, hence its name. And it's about four to five pounds and has a fine, sweet flesh. So hooray. That's the last yeah. pumpkin. Yes. Hooray. But we know there are so many more varieties. Like, we can't even with how many varieties of pumpkin there actually are. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Go to any seed website and just type in pumpkin and you will have a hard time, like, whittling it down to what you want to grow. Yeah. But I think I'm going to join you on the Jack B. Little train next yeah. year because I have some trellises and um, they're tiny little pumpkins. So they're like a good size to trellis. Oh, yeah. Uh, which will help save some space because pumpkins take up so much room. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think I'm going to try Jardale again because it is one of my favorite types of pumpkins. I grew a bunch of them this year from the seeds that we sent to patrons, but none of mine survived. They all got like a mildew of some kind. Aww. So I also need to do a little treating in my garden this year to try to get that under control. <laughs> mm. Grubbly Farm Grubblies and feed aren't just for chickens. All your feathered friends can enjoy. That's right. Grubbly layer feed contains extra vitamin B3, which is niacin, so your ducks and geese can stay healthy and you can stick with one feed for everyone, which makes life so much easier. And Grubbly's happy hour brings everyone to the yard. With so much protein and calcium, Grubbly's are a snack you can feel good about giving daily. So go to grublyfarms.com right now to subscribe and receive your feed in Grubly's order every month. You'll save 10% off every order that way and have one less errand to run later. And if it's your first order, use code FARM15 to get 15% off. All right. Now it's to the moment we've all been waiting for. Yes, I've been waiting so impatiently. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to add some fuel to the apple versus pumpkin debate because I know pumpkin is not for everyone especially pumpkin spice but it's also a really great time of year to do apple related activities like apple picking apple cider drinking hard cider drinking uh any kind of apple thing can be delicious this time of year too yes so for this section we got some information from Matador Network, and they did a little article about American pumpkin pie history, and we shall go on. So we've all probably heard the phrase before, as American as apple pie, and many people have never questioned it. I mean, I know I haven't. Me either. Apple pie is on the menu at most American diners, and Norman Rockwell featured the dessert in several of his illustrations. And so it's like an unmistakably American thing. And yet the well-worn cliche isn't actually historically accurate. What? Yeah, when you dig into the history of the earliest days of the American colonies, you will find that the pie most connected to this country's roots is pumpkin and not apple. I feel like this is something I should have learned in school. Like, I feel like my life is a little bit of a, a lie now because I just didn't know. Right. I feel like some history books need to be updated here. <laughs> yes. 
So pumpkin and not apple was one of the dominant pie fillings in the early American colonies because apple orchards hadn't been planted yet. So apples aren't actually like native to North America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it would be at least 20 years before colonists had apples for pies. And in fact, this article is really cool because it talks about like how they brought apples over to the Americas from England and whatnot. So they like they got here and they were like, wait, we really like apple things and there are no apple trees. (laughs) So let's get on this and do something about it. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. And it's actually really hard to picture New England without apples Mm -hmm. uh, because that's just so quintessential. (laughs) Right. Right. So it is a very American thing, but apparently pumpkin pie is just that much more American. (laughs) Yes. So fun fact, before pie crust became commonplace, what the pilgrims did not do is bake pumpkin pies inside a hollowed out pumpkin. So they did not do this. This cooking method is a widespread myth, plain and simple, according to this article. They made that very clear. Uh, These videos have been showing us about how pumpkins didn't use pastry and they cooked their pumpkin pie inside a pumpkin. This misconception might stem from a 16th century source who wrote that pumpkins the size of an acorn squash were hollowed out, out, then sliced bits of pumpkin and apple were added and baked together. The real dish would have looked and tasted more like an acorn squash side dish, not a sweetened pumpkin pie. But even so, there's no record of that dish being cooked in the colonies, only in 17th century England, which is very different than taking this giant field pumpkin and hollowing it and pouring four quarts of cream and a pound of sugar and baking that forever in a day. (laughs) Such a funny visual, right? (laughs) It really is. But I legit thought that that was how the colonists made pumpkin pie. (sighs) I guess I never really thought about it that hard, but yeah, that is kind of a crazy story. (laughs) Yeah. So now you know that America's earliest settlers filled their pies with what grew most abundantly in their backyards, pumpkin. So next time you're celebrating America, maybe you should bust out a pumpkin pie instead of an apple pie. (laughs) (laughs) So pumpkin pie on the 4th of July. (laughs) I mean, that totally rhymes. It feels like it belongs. It does. It does. I guess apple pie on the 4th of July rhymes too. I mean, hell, you could say raisin pie on the 4th of July. (laughs) I guess. Just pie on the 4th of July. I like that because pie is delicious. Yes, it is. All right. So now let's stumble into We Can't Even Corner. So Bev, what can't you even about this week? Okay. So my can't even is a follow-up from last week's can't even Google News apparently knows me, and it knows that I was fired up about (laughs) plastic Plastic. (laughs) not being recyclable, but it served me a follow-up article a little later, and it turns out that scientists have made a super enzyme that absolutely ravages plastic bottles, and I think that that is so cool. (laughs) Okay, but what else can it ravage? Like, is this thing, like, can it, can it, like, eat? human flesh too like that's pretty intense (laughs) i know right no it doesn't do that and it's super cool so this article is from popular mechanics um and what it is is it's a bacteria cocktail that eats plastic six times faster than any other 
bug. Ooh, creepy. And yeah, it is. It's super creepy. So what this what they're thinking that this super enzyme can do is that they think that this will finally make uh, recycling plastic just more effective. So it'll be more cost effective. It'll break down a little better um, because what it does is it actually breaks the plastic apart to its like molecular level. Now, I'm not a scientist. I'm probably not explaining this quite properly, but you know how everything is made up of elements. Sure. (laughs) I guess I just don't think about it. But yes, I do know that. (laughs) So what this bug does is it actually breaks the plastic into all of its individual elements. Oh. Yeah. So you can like collect (laughs) the separate elements and then remake plastic out of the parts that are reusable, which is kind of like the dumbed down way that I'm saying that I like interpreted from this article so if you're interested in this you definitely want to go read this because it's possible that i'm not quite picturing this in my head right but the way that they described it that that was the visual that i got which was kind of cool it's just like this bug going in and like taking this plastic bottle and taking it from like an actual plastic bottle to just like all of its little individual elements i don't know i don't know how else to describe that i mean i feel like i i'm picking up what you're putting down so i appreciate you don't make okay. it down for me. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so here, I'll just read a little snippet of it. So it says, the enzymes work together to chop the most common consumer plastic into chemical building blocks, which means that they can be reapplied as the ingredients for the next generation of plastics instead of distilling these ingredients from newly extracted petrochemicals. So if I didn't describe that properly maybe that will clear that up just a little bit so i just thought that that was really cool there's constantly new things happening and new like innovations coming along and this article also lets us know that if it wasn't for all of our plastic use and throwing all of the plastic basically like into the environment these super bugs that can do this would not have been developed like basically these bugs kind of evolved because of this need to get plastic out of the environment. So, huh, interesting. It is interesting. So, what can't you even about this week? So, I can't even with the moon in October 2020 because I mean, Ooh. I I mean, 2020 has been a bit of a shit show. If you guys <laughs> haven't noticed. Um, for a wide variety of reasons. It's not any one thing. Um, so when I found out what what October would hold from a lunar perspective, I was like, oh, shit. What, like, the world is going to end in October. I'm convinced now. Um, <laughs> so October uh, astronomy and the moon. So October 2020 brings two full moons. So we already had one on October 1st, and this was a harvest moon. And then later in the month, on Halloween, we will have a second full moon. And this is a hunter's moon, uh, which will be special for two reasons. And it's because it is a rare Halloween full moon and a blue moon. So a Halloween full moon only happens once every 18 to 19 years. Oh my gosh. Yes. And a blue moon means that you have a full moon twice in one month, which doesn't happen 
a lot either, but more than a Halloween full moon. And then on top of that, guys, if your state participates in daylight savings, that's going to happen at 2 a.m. on November 1st as well. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we're just gearing up. I mean, like, right in the beginning of uh, end of October, beginning of November for some interesting stuff, I'm sure. So it turns out even the year of this or the end of this year can't give us a break. No, it's going to be a shit show right on through, I think. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and Halloween's on a Saturday this year, too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I also linked to an article from the almanac.com um, about just Halloween moon and what moon phases is. Um, have to do with Halloween and the different kind of moon phases. So if that stuff makes you nerd out, um, check that out. Enjoy. (laughs) And stay safe this Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. Make sure you send us your can't evens in the Facebook group uh, via Facebook Messenger, Instagram, or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. We like to share your can't evens on our mini-sodes. Um, Be sure and leave us a review because we read one review a week from Apple Podcast on the show. And when we read your review, you get entered into a drawing for a super cool exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop. So Sam, would you like to read our review this week? I will do that. This week's review is from Kate Phillips and the title is Amazingness for My Eardrums. Which that right there, like, is a compliment because I don't I don't like the sound of my own voice. So if it's not making somebody else's ears bleed, like, I'll take it as a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, do you like drinking and farming and sometimes combine the two safely, of course, then the very informative and always entertaining Bev and Sam have the podcast for you. I love how they have zero judgment because they are learning as they are going and just sharing that knowledge in hopes of helping others along the way. After a few episodes, I ran to Facebook and Instagram to join in because I know I have found my people. Thank you, ladies. And her Instagram is at on the hill homestead. Awesome. Thank you so much for that review. We love that so much. We do. And I really love how people have like called in what um like the purpose of our show is in their reviews that's Mm -hmm. like kind of helped me see that like what we were trying to do actually happened right it's translating well yeah it is (laughs) it's translating really well and as we get further and further into this because like what our show is like two and a half years old now at this point just a little older than that yeah so we've both been doing this for maybe a little over three years now at this point like I keep uh reminding myself that when someone is new um they're just going to make mistakes that someone that is not new like you know doesn't Mm -hmm. make anymore so when you see those mistakes just remember that they're learning and we need to be compassionate and we need to be helpful and do what we can to just like lift each other up instead of yelling at everybody yeah it's been a lot of yelling on instagram lately (laughs) that's why i've been kind of absent from instagram and it's just because well first of all i'm just tired of it from facebook because facebook's like 40 times worse right now 
But Instagram, yeah, I just can't really do social media right now. So it's like, if you guys are noticing that Sam's a little absent from her Instagram, it's because Sam just has a lot going on. And I have the right to not be on Instagram. (laughs) You do. (laughs) And that was kind of like a little challenging for my brain. Like, I don't owe anybody anything, Um, especially if it's in sacrifice of my sanity. So... Uh, I love you all, but sometimes you just got to take a break from those things and that's okay because yeah, this stuff is hard. And when people are making it not as easy on you as they possibly could, like it just kind of sucks. So yeah, I'm glad that that's translating that even though we've been doing this for a little while now, there are still always things that are new to us, even though we've been doing, you know, been chicken keepers for three years now or whatever. There's still stu- still new things that the chickens do that make us go, what? Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> so hopefully that translates into everyone just being a little kinder and a little more patient with each other. Including yourselves. Yes, including yourselves always. So just a few housekeeping items. Make sure you're hitting the subscribe button if you haven't already. And it helps us if you download the episode when you listen. Uh, This helps our download numbers, which helps our um, overall performance and how we get advertisers. So it's a great way to support the podcast just by hitting that little button. Yes. And do us a favor and share this episode over on Instagram in your stories. Tag us at Drink and Farm because we will send you a promo code that is just for that episode that'll give you a discount in our merch shop. And we got a sweet apple versus pumpkin thing going on for the shirt of the month. So you definitely want that promo code. And make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to the articles we discussed, a survey to tell us how we're doing anonymously, and all of our social media goodness and merch shop. So that's it, guys. That's It's the Great Pumpkin Volume 1. I hope you enjoyed. Yes. We had a lot of fun diving in, sharing about pumpkins, and then next week we'll talk a little bit more about pumpkins and how you can grow them. Yes, something to look forward to. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. (laughs) Sam and Bever organized. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) All right. So until next time. Drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm things.